Verse 28. But what do you think? That's a great question. What do you think? Man had two sons. And he came to the first and he said, Son, I want you to go to work today in my vineyard. And he answered and he said, I will not go. But later, he relented. And he decided to do it anyway. And then he came to his second and he said the same thing. Son, will you go work for me today in the vineyard? And likewise, he answered. But this, this son said, I will go, sir. But he did not go. Which of these two, and here's the question that prevails, and we're going to explore this even more so next week. Which of these two, hear it, this is what Jesus asks, which of these two did the will of his father? Did the will of, did the will of his father? This is a parable about doing. It's a parable about responsiveness. This has to do with not simply believing the right things, but how we do it. It has to do with responding to God. Now, to appreciate a parable, and this parable certainly would, it applies as well, you, oftentimes if we simply read the parable in a vacuum, disconnected from its context, we miss, and again, here's the value of just familiarizing ourselves with the scriptures on a regular basis, we miss the value of the larger thing that is actually taking place. To really appreciate this story, which is a small little story, in which Jesus then makes a point about how each, group, each of these two sons represents a group, and we'll talk again talk more about that next week. To be able to appreciate it, though, we almost have to understand it wasn't delivered in a vacuum. It was actually part of a movement of things, of interaction that was taking place prior to Jesus saying, what do you think? Something else had happened. We know that Jesus, and we go, you go back to the earlier verses, and I put them in there as well, in verse 23. If we go back to the earlier verses, we realize that Jesus at this time is nearing the end of his ministry. He's in the temple. For the last time, he'll be there. He's about to go to the cross. People don't know that. He's aware that this is his hour is nearing. He's in the temple. He's teaching. This is one of the last stories he gives. He gives it because as he was in the temple, you can imagine, if we can imagine in our mind's eye, Jesus is there. I, I imagine him sitting down, talking, sharing. There's a large group of people who are sitting and reclining and listening and standing, and some are standing. Some have been there for quite a while. Jesus is talking as teachers were to do. He's coming to the, he's done an unusual thing, though. He's coming to the temple, and he's kind of set up his cl a class. And lots of people have gathered, because at this point in time, he's very popular. And, of course, he didn't, ha he didn't ask permission to do it. He just did it, because he would say, this is my father's house. But in this particular occasion, we're told that in verse 23, look at this. It says, now when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching. And they said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Excuse me, get out of the way. Who, what are you doing setting up shop here and holding a class here? You never checked in with us. Have you noticed there's a way that we do things here? No, the word that is used there is confrontation. They confronted him. Their very movement to interrupt him in the middle of his teaching was an assertion of their authority. And they said, hold on a second. You stop this. We want an explanation out of you. Who gave you permission to talk in this temple? Who, who, what, are you do, what are you doing? Who, who authorized you? You know, there is a way that we do things here. Have you noticed? We're in charge. And you're not. So we want an answer. We want it right now. 
Now, this is, this is the moment, this confrontation moment. Jesus, it's one of the most brilliant of, of Jesus' answers, if, if we can even use that for, for Jesus, because <laughs> even when he was simple, it was brilliant. But this particular movement, it's fascinating to watch how our Lord, by the way, when we ever demand something from God, we ought not to be surprised when we get something completely different than what we were demanding. Um, they said, tell us. Jesus said, we'll talk. I have a question for you. I'll answer you. You want to know what authority I have? I'll answer you. But first, I want you to answer me. I have a question for you. What is it? John. Now, they knew who John was. Most of us who have, if you've read the Gospels, you know that John, who's often called John the Baptist, not John who was the disciple of Jesus, but John the Baptist, the, the, the prophet who, who was the forerunner of Jesus, the one who was raised up to prepare the way for Messiah. John was known as the baptizer because he, before Jesus came onto the scene, he was baptizing people saying, God, repent of your sin. He says, for God is doing a new thing among us. The promise of all the old is about to be fulfilled in the now. He who has been promised to come, who is greater than I, is on his way. Even now, God is about to do a new thing and prepare you the way for it. And many of the people, crowds of people, followed John. And, and many of the disciples of Jesus, actually, were first baptized under John's repentance. And so, and the, and the Pharisees and the scribes and the temple leaders had, there was a, there was a known tension between John and them. There was a... Uh, but especially when John welcomed Jesus as the Messiah. So when Jesus asked the question, tell me, notice, John, let me ask you this question. The baptism of John. John's ministry. I'll answer your question. You want to know what authority I have? I'll give you my, okay. And really, Jesus' question contains the answer. He says, the baptism of John, was it, um, was it from heaven? Was it from God? Or was it from man? Was it just a human thing? And you would think, well, okay, from God or man? God or man? You tell me, a simple, simple question. Because you see, really, John had declared Jesus to be the Messiah. He had declared him to be the Lamb of God. He had, so the, the authority that John declared, if, if he, they believed John, then the question of what authority he had was already answered. So like Jesus is saying, well, it's very simple. If you believe that John was sent from God, then you already know the answer to your question. But if you don't, well then we're already fundamentally divided at a very <laughs> crucial issue that, honestly, there's no middle ground on it. Oh, so by the way, what's your answer? God or man? If we say God, <laughs> then he will say, why don't you believe what he said about me? I know. But if we say man, the people who believe him to be a prophet sent by God will question our legitimacy and reject us. We really don't know whether or not John was sent from God or man. Oh, really? It's not that you don't know. It's that you won't say. We have no honest discussion going on right here. I'm not interested in arguing with you. What? That's the moment Jesus then 
terms with the people that neither I'm not interested in debating, nor will I be put, a, uh, be put on trial by you in this moment. I'm not, look, you can accept what I'm doing, you can reject it. If you rejected John, you've already rejected me. Why, do you, why, you, why are we going through this, this charade? What do you think? And he turn, you can see Jesus turning to the people and saying, this is, and that's the occasion, that's the moment. Then neither will I answer your question. And then he says, so what do you think? What do you think? There was a father, there was a man. He had two sons. This is the parable. He said to the one, he said, will you go and work for me in my vineyard today? And the son said, no, I will not go. Straight out disobedience. Straight out. But afterwards, Jesus said, after he said no, and so disrespected his father, afterwards, he relented in his heart. And he, and he decided, I will go. He says, but the other son, when he was asked, he said, sure, yes, I will, sir. Very respectful. But Jesus said, but that son, although he said he would, when it came down to it, he didn't do it. And then he said, so tell me, which of these two did the will of the Father? The one who said he would and didn't, or the one who said he wouldn't but changed his mind and did it? And that's when Jesus turns to the scribes and says, I tell you, you have a truth. Harlots and publicans will enter into the kingdom of God before you do. Because they are open to what God is doing in their midst. And you are closed. Powerful. Powerful. Again, we're going to dig into that more deeply next week. I want to suggest a couple of things for us to consider. Things that hit me about this, about what's happening here. Firstly, again, this is a parable about responsiveness. It's about being open. I know God resists the proud and gives grace to the, hum the humble. Hear me out. Firstly, increase or enlarged understanding usually depends on obedience to what has been received. In the kingdom of Jesus, or the way that the Lord works in our lives, is that the, the, th the way it is is that we will only be given more when we fully embrace what we have been given. They wanted to know, Jesus, by what authority do you do these things? And he says, you will never have the answer to that question until you first deal with John. That's where we're going to start. Because if we get, can't get past there, then we're not ever going to get to there. And so let's apply that principle to our lives. Let's think about what are we talking about. How does that, what, is that, what does that mean for me? Well, it means a lot, actually. Because how many times are we faced with situations in our lives where we need God to show up for us? And we want God to open up a big door for us. We want, to make his, we want him to make his way clear for us. It might have to do with a job or a career decision that we have to make. And we really need God to show up, and we, we want him to show up, and we, we're looking for him to make a way for us. It might have to do with a relational issue where something we need, we, we want a breakthrough, we want a person in our life, or there's something that's, that's just being destroyed, and we need God to show up in an amazing way, and we've been praying for it, and we've been looking for him to do this, and we've been asking him to do it. It might have to do with other things, like a dream that we're pursuing, or a project that we have to we're, we're wanting to see it come to completion or, or something that is, is something more like a, um, you know, uh, a pursuit that we've, we've been compelled to follow, a, a deal that we want to have come through. It might have to do with clarity for a direction. We find ourselves being brought to a place where we are literally looking at a road 
that is no longer one clear path, but now we've got fork in the middle, of, it's a fork in the middle of this road, and I gotta decide, and I gotta decide, do I go this way, or do I go this way? Do I play my hand this direction, or do I play it this direction? Each side, each side looks like it has a risk associated with it. Both of it, it it's, it's fraught with some type of, of concern on my part, that if I go this way, it may cost me something. If I make this call and it's the wrong call, it may cost. What do I do? God, show up. Show me the way. Show me what to do. I need, no, I need to know, Lord. And besides, and in these places, by the way, when we're following the Lord, there are clear markers that the Lord gives us to discern what to do. One of those markers is exactly what I actually mentioned earlier on. I mean, the benefit of familiarizing ourselves as a friend and training in the word. And it is impossible, again, to be a devoted follower of Jesus. This is not a statement of pride. It is impossible to be a strong follower of the Lord and not spend time in his word. It's like an athlete, a world-class athlete who never would train or takes no care of their diet. It is impossible. There are basic, basic elements to succeeding with God to overcoming aspects of our character that we want to see reversed and changed. The pr prayer, talking with God, listening for his voice, making time for the Lord so that, so that we have a relationship that we're building, sharing our heart, listening for his voice, looking into his word, asking God to let this word speak life to us so that the word becomes a word for me or for someone else around me. Can I share with you something the Lord's put in my heart? I was reading it this morning. I was praying. You came to my mind. I believe it might encourage you. Or we're in the middle of something, and we need, we need God to show up, but we were spending, we've been spending time in his word, and all of a sudden, something that we've been reading shoots into this moment, this moment where we've got something that we're faced with. All of a sudden, that word comes back up. God brings it to life in us. We remember it. It gives us strength and power. The power of his word, the, the, the value of his word, the value of, of prayer, the value of friendship and fellowship are, is a Christian term. Uh, good counsel, having community, being involved with other believers who when we are in the middle of a place where we don't know what exactly to do, we think we know, but we're not totally sure. The stakes are high. We make the wrong call. costs us dearly. What do you want me to do, Lord? I want to do the right thing. What do you think God is saying? Here's what I think he's saying. Here's what I believe he's saying. Can you pray with me about it? Can you give me your, your counsel, your advice? Let me weigh it out. These are all markers for us. But I'm going to suggest one more thing, and it's connected to this, this, this thought up here, is that we will never get the answers to the big questions, listen, if we are not first being faithful to the little and sacred trust entrustments that God's put into our hand and path. Why? Second, because small things matter to the Lord. Little things matter to God. I mean, there, all over the Bible, there are examples of how, and we see it all the time, how when we honor small and sacred entrustments, the Lord is pleased. The, 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 um, the extra word to encourage, the extra mile, uh, the extra gift, uh, the, the thank you, at the, at the back side of the miracle mattered. It mattered. The way in which something is done, the way in which we go at it, the attitude mattered, the effort mattered, 
Jesus noticed the little things. The woman with two mattered. Little things mattered to him. It, it mattered because it was not always what the big thing was. Why? A lot of, some of us, can, we do really well with big entrustments to where everybody sees us. How are we doing when nobody's looking and the only person it really matters to is going to be us and God? Little things matter. Um, there's a difference between, listen, doing a, a solid job and doing a good job that completes it. That last 5%, I think, does matter to the Lord. So, uh, okay, Jesus, in the garden, cross before, right there, sitting. It's on it's on him. He feels it. He knows what's coming, and all that is represented in it, more than just the physical. There's other stuff happening. He feels it. He, can, he, he senses the moment. He's in the garden. He understands the betrayals already. It's just things are moving, right? It's all there. And yet Jesus, as he is there, what does he do? He, 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 he did, if he only went 95% of the way, we wouldn't be here. He goes the last 5%. And it was the costliest part of what he had to do. Father, not my will. Now, if it be thy will, take this cup from me. It is not my desire, it is not my intention, it is not what I want, but nevertheless, I, 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 nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Not my, your will be done. Jesus did the final five, and it got us everything. And I want to suggest that there are times where the Lord, this is our third piece, when the Lord will ask us to do the opposite of what we want. When following the Father means doing the opposite of what we want. Go the opposite way. How many times where we are being placed with sometimes, you know, think about it. Look, at, you go back there. One, one last time. The, in the parable of the two sons, if you look closely, you realize that neither one of them, really none of them wanted to do the will. Of the, in this case, the, they didn't want to go to the vineyard. They didn't want to work. I mean, the one who said yes clearly didn't want to because even though he said yes, he didn't do it. The one who said no was just being honest. He didn't want to do it at all either. Neither one of them wanted to do it. And oftentimes moving forward with God will be contingent on our willingness to rebel against our self-will. And to say, I rebel against my willfulness and I choose to go the way of the Lord. And, it, and what did it cost? It cost Jesus everything, but it gave all of us a blessing we could never get ourselves. How many people, how many little ones, how many ones not yet even born, how many friends of a friend are going to be blessed and brought to the Lord because some of us are willing to go the opposite way of what we want when what we want is conflicting with what God is asking. Go, not, Lord, my will be done. Your will be done. Not, Lord, wrap your will around my will. No. Come on, Lord. Wrap your will around mine. Bless what I want. Show up. No, the question is, will we wrap our will around his? And I can tell you, there have been times, oh, somebody, uh, somebody last night was telling me, he says, you know, when you were, t when you were talking, what I, what, I, what I had a vision of, I was like, she goes, I was thinking, it wasn't like spiritual vision, but, you know, it, I, I maybe used the wrong term. What came to my mind was, I was thinking about September 11th, when you were talking about going the opposite way. 
And I remember hearing the people who were interviewed who had come running out of that building. And they said, they said what, do you, what were one of the things that you remembered? And so one of the things that we remembered in this interview was, while all of us were running out the building, the firemen were running the opposite way, in. And they were giving everything the opposite way. While we were running for our lives, they were giving their lives. There are times where the Lord will call us to go the opposite way. But I don't want to. I want the easy way. I want the convenient way. I want the way that gives me all the blessing and costs me nothing. I want to enjoy myself all the time. <laughs> I don't want to sacrifice. It's a countercultural message. It's the opposite. Take up, if you will, Jesus said, he said, if we will come after him, there will be times when we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow our leader against the grain of what we want. But oh, the blessing of life that will flow out of it when we go the opposite way. In the handout, that's the reason we selected this song to close with. It's a brilliant song. You know what about this song was interesting? The writer, if you look at the first verse and you go, ah, oh, it's, it's not much of a verse, it's kind of not saying that. Like, to me, actually, I saw something deep in it because it was a reminder about relationships and how sometimes we're going with the pack. But there are times where God will call us. Now, I, listen, I understand be a, a friend is a friend. It's, it, there are people in our lives or circles that we run in that we're not just going to go dump them, and, and that's just not the way it is. But at the same time, there are points in our lives where, honestly, if we don't make a relational change, and I was talking to another young man last night after service, and he was telling me, God's calling me back. I've been running away. God's calling me back. What? And I said, you need to go with him. You come home. He goes, I've been hanging out. He goes, I'm getting messed up. He was telling me all this stuff that he had gotten himself into. And I said, you know, you can't. Here's the thing. You've got to know how, if you're not strong enough, I go, you've got to run. The, what did we just say? You've got to go the opposite way. There are some times, listen, we might say, these, but these are my friends. But yeah, but if we're dying and we're not helping anybody, because by the time we're done, we're so depleted spiritually. We've got nothing. We don't even have a test. We have nothing to say. I mean, there's a time when we've got to move the opposite way. And then, then he, he, so he talks about moving the opposite way in relationships. And then he goes, look at this next. I just want to read it, and then we'll, we'll close out with it. The father sent his son. Look at the second stanza. The father sent his son down. It was the light of men. The cross he bore was crippling, rejected in his own town. And they couldn't see the sun shining. Play on words there. And he knelt in the garden, and he prayed. And what did he pray? He said, Father, let this cup pass from me. But it's not your will for me to stay. No, I know it. Your will for me is the opposite way. And it seemed like he was locked in a cage, and he couldn't find a way of escape. But through the cross, he conquered the grave. My Jesus ran the opposite way. And oh, and through the cross, he conquered the grave. And oh, he ran the opposite way. And through the cross, he conquered the grave. So why? So you could run the opposite way, you and me. And Lord, I pray that as we are here as we hear the clarion sound of your voice, Lord, calling us to follow you, 
I pray, Lord, that there are, when we get to these moments where, where we know, Lord, your voice is so clearly speaking to us to turn and to go the opposite way, Lord, I pray that you would compel us. I pray that you would speak. Even now, Lord, I know some of us are being dealt with, Lord, about making a shift, about making the change, God, about responding to you, Lord, about choosing to rebel against what we want and follow in the way that you have for us, Lord. Give us courage to strap on the cross when it needs to be done and to follow as imperfectly as we can, Lord, by your grace alone, the pathway that you have made for us to follow, Lord. I pray that you would fill us with courage when we need to show up for you. I pray that we would have the courage to go the opposite way when it's necessary so that the blessing may flow down through the years. Help us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Bless this time as we close this service out, Lord. Bless our time of giving. Bless this psalm that we've looked at and that we're going to share in. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord.